0: runoffs, winnable losses, election shenanigans, and a GOP autopsy that's long overdue. Folks, I'll go ahead and say it. When it comes to modern-day electioneering, we suck. Plain and simple, we suck. But I've got Colonel Allen West and Congresswoman Lauren Boebert on deck with their thoughts, so let's get into it. The show starts now. I, LIKE MANY OF YOU, AM FLABBERGASTED AT THE STATE OF GEORGIA, BUT IT'S NOT JUST GEORGIA THAT HAS ME BAFFLED, IT'S ARIZONA, IT'S NEVADA, IT'S MICHIGAN, AND IT'S FOR DAMN SURE, PENNSYLVANIA. LIKE HOW DO WE LOSE THOSE STATES, HOW? STATES THAT ARE OVERRUN BY ILLEGALS, STATES THAT HAVE BEEN OVERRUN BY ILLEGALS AND DRUGS, STATES THAT WERE GOVERNED INTO A COVID BLACK HOLE, STATES WHERE THE DEMOCRAT CANDIDATE WAS SO RADICAL THEY WOULD MAKE KARL Marx BLUSH. States that elected a literal vegetable to public office. Like how does this happen? Well, I've got a whole bunch of thoughts and I'll share with you at the end of the show. But first, I want to bring in a man whose opinion I not only can't wait to hear, but I greatly respect. He's a patriot, a father, a husband, a steadfast conservative, and a proud Tennessee Vol. But what does he think about all the shenanigans going down in the political world today? I'll ask him because executive director of the American Constitutional Rights Union, Colonel Alan West joins me now. Colonel West, it is so great to have you back. It's been too long.
1: It has been. It's good to be with you. And I'm just so happy that you're there in Tennessee, where I earned my degree there at the University of Tennessee. And go Big Orange, beat Clemson.
0: Yeah. Hey, listen, my uh, my husband is a Tennessee Vol. So just for fun, sometimes I root against Tennessee. But in my heart, I really do root for the Vols. I I will tell you this. Uh, Another thing I was rooting for last night was Herschel Walker in Georgia, because I was really hopeful that that was going to happen. I want to get your top line thoughts on how that all went down what in the heck we lose another runoff
1: well sure you know i was born and raised in georgia and what is happening in georgia is the same thing that's happening in a lot of conservative red states is that we have gone out we have allowed progressive socialists under the guise of bringing better economic opportunities and businesses in and they have overtaken all the major urban population centers being in georgia and atlanta Columbus, Macon, Augusta, and Savannah. And those are the places that made the difference last night, being in Fulton County, DeKalb County, especially in that Atlanta metropolitan area. And so what we have to do as conservatives, we've got to go into these areas, which as you just talked about, this is where you find the greatest amount of failure of leftist policies, and especially with the issues of crime, the issues of drugs. And we have got to focus that and make sure that people understand how that affects them in their walk of life every day. And I don't think that we're doing a good job of strategic level, messaging coming from the Republican Party in the states that you just articulated, but definitely in a state like Georgia.
0: Yeah, our ground game is absolutely horrible. But here's another thing that I can't Figure out an enigma, if you will. So Brian Kemp, he won the governor's race and he won it by quite a lot. And he beat Stacey Abrams, who was an expert fundraiser who brought in a lot of out-of-state money, had a lot of out-of-state clout, a lot of media presence. You know, really she is hand-selected by a lot in the media to be maybe even a presidential candidate one day. But he beat her and he beat her handily. THEN HOW DO WE GET TO THIS RUNOFF BETWEEN WARNOCK AND HERSCHEL WALKER? IS IT BECAUSE HERSCHEL WALKER WASN'T A GREAT CANDIDATE? WAS IT THE TRUMP ENDORSEMENT? WHAT WAS IT THAT MADE IT SUCH A DISPARITY BETWEEN THE WIN THAT KEMP WAS ABLE TO ACHIEVE AND WHAT HAPPENED LAST NIGHT?
1: Well, there was that huge disparity. You're absolutely right. And it does come back to the fact that Governor Kemp during the general election did no campaign events with Herschel Walker. And let's be very honest, it came down to the back and forth between uh, President Trump and and Governor Kemp when uh, President Trump wanted Doug Collins to be selected for the Senate seat to replace Johnny Isakson, but Governor Kemp wanted uh, Kelly Loeffler. And so from that point on, there's always been that rub between the two. And it should not have been that we would use Herschel Walker as the tennis ball between those two individuals. Now, in the runoff election, you did see Brian Kemp come out and do some commercial ads, HERSCHEL, BUT MAYBE THAT WAS TOO LITTLE, TOO LATE, BUT THEN ALSO I'LL BRING YOUR ATTENTION TO THE COMMENTS FROM THE LIEUTENANT GOVERNOR DOWN THERE IN GEORGIA, WHO WAS NOT VERY HELPFUL uh, WHEN IT CAME TO HIS REMARKS, REFERENCE HERSCHEL WALKER AND HIS QUALIFICATIONS TO BE A CANDIDATE. YOU KNOW, IS HERSCHEL GOING TO uh, TALK TO YOU ABOUT, YOU KNOW, GREAT FOREIGN POLICY AND NATIONAL SECURITY POLICY AND THINGS OF THAT NATURE? NO, BUT HE HAD A HEART TO GO OUT THERE AND DO WHAT WAS RIGHT AND TRY TO WIN A SENATE SEAT FOR REPUBLICANS, AND MORE PEOPLE SHOULD HAVE WRAPPED THEIR ARMS AROUND HIM AND PREPARED HIM and get him ready to go out there and do what's necessary to be a more competent uh, senatorial candidate.
0: What's interesting to me, too, is how our media game is lacking. Obviously, I work for Fox News. I love Fox News, but I don't think it's enough for Republicans just to go on Fox News. We don't ever want to enter the lion's den. Sometimes we're not welcome in the lion's den, quite honestly. But our ground game is failing, but our media game is also failing. We do not control the narrative. They were able to make Warnock seem like he was a saint, like he was perfection. And they made Herschel Mm -hmm. Walker seem like an idiot. And it's really interesting to me that they are both two black men, but one of them got the blackness card, and the other one had it revoked all because we suck at media. What's your take on all that and how can we get better?
1: No, you're, you're totally right. And I give you a great case in point. Last week, I went to the University of Iowa to speak for the Young America's uh, Foundation on conservative issues there. And that's what we have to do, get on these college and university campuses. So we have to challenge the, uh, the left. And I'll go back to the midterm election cycle, when all of a sudden the left comes out and talks about Republicans being a threat to democracy, there was no response to that, Tommy, whatsoever. No one came out and said, well, the Democrats are the ones who want to stack the Supreme Court. They want to get rid of the filibuster. They're allowing millions of illegals in. They want them to be able to vote. Uh, They're the ones that are out there colluding with uh, private sector corporations and companies to censor free speech of Americans. Those are the real threats to democracy. So we have to go on offense and not continue to play defense, and exactly the same thing happened when they demonized, denigrated, and disparaged Herschel Walker when Raphael Warnock was completely not a saint. And furthermore, I grew up in that neighborhood where he is the minister of Ebenezer Baptist Church. He is not the type of person that represents true Black traditional values. He does not believe in the traditional nuclear black family. He just supports the murder of unborn babies in the womb, which has had an adverse effect on the black community, 25 million since Roe v. Wade. So it's those type of message points that someone should have been talking about, not to mention the small business economic development uh, for the black community and black farmers down there in the state of Georgia. Georgia is a huge agricultural state, but yet nothing was brought out about that.
0: Yeah, we aren't very good on bringing the issues home, something that Ron DeSantis and Florida did very well, bringing the mm-hmm. issues home. In Virginia, the same thing, bringing the issues home, bringing them back to the family. you think that would be easy considering how bad the economy is right now and how many Californians and other blue state liberals fled to places like Georgia, but still we fail. I want to bring another point to your attention, though, because after the midterms and then again after last night, There are a lot of people in the media and in the Republican Party that say this is our sign, we need to move away from Donald Trump, it is Donald Trump's fault, we cannot have him be our candidate in 2024, and it's time for the dawn of a new age of the GOP and maybe even the mega movement. What do you think about that? Which side do you fall?
1: I think that it is time that we do look at some new invigorated leadership and we reward success. When you look at what happened with Ron DeSantis in Florida, and of course, you know, I was a congressional representative from Florida. The fact that he flipped Palm Beach County, Miami-Dade County that he won by almost 20 points after a year ago, uh, four years ago, he won by less than 1%. That's the type of success that we need because obviously his message is getting to the right place. You look at Lee Zeldin and how he was able to really hammer that message about crime in New York. He did not uh, end up winning that gubernatorial election, but we flipped four congressional seats. So I think that, and I'll be very honest, President Trump and his policies and and principles are foremost, the America first policies, but people are kind of getting tired of the drama. Now, President Trump is trying to correct the record on him saying that certain parts of the Constitution needs to be canceled or the dinner that he just recently had with Kanye West and some other gentleman that now he's having to try to correct that. People want to be able to stick to the issues and not give the progressive socialists left the easy layup in attacking you as a person, which is the Saul Alinsky's rule for radical. You pick a target, you freeze it, you isolate it, and you destroy it. So we want to talk about the issues. and We want to have the right people that can be able to do that.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. What frustrates me most is when he did announce his candidacy again, his speech was very much about the issues and he was very on message. But every time that he gets a little seed of anything about election interference or, or voter fraud or suppression of content like what's happening with Twitter, he takes it, he runs with it, and the vendetta rears its ugly head, he gets away from the message. And quite frankly, to those Americans that want America First policies and not just to satisfy some kind of vendetta or revenge, it frustrates us. So I'm with you on that. I would love to see Donald Trump back in the White House, but I'm not sure that he's the candidate of this moment, though I believe he was in 2016 and in 2020. But I think now maybe it's time to change our strategy, which is my last question for you. I want to talk about the RNC because there's been a lot of discussion there about new leadership needed Um, You know, if you have a team and the coach isn't performing well, you get rid of the coach so that the team can thrive. And that's been a lot of the discussion right now. Do you think we need to head in a new direction as far as our leadership on that front?
1: Yeah, absolutely right. You know, the Tennessee Volunteers football team suffered for 15 years because of uh, failed uh, coaching and leadership. Now, in his second year, Josh Heupel has taken us to 10 and 2, number 7 in the nation, and we're part of national conversation. Albert Einstein said that the pure definition of insanity is to continue to do the exact same thing and think you're gonna get different results. It's time for someone different to be at the head of the Republican National Committee. I think Harmie Dillon is the exact right person to be in that position. She is strong, she's a fighter, she understands the lawfare of the progressive socialist left and also she understands how to make sure you go on offense. And she's a fighter, she's a tough person and I served with her on the RNC when I was the state party chairman. So uh, I think that that's the direction we should head in.
0: She's always been a, a close friend of mine at least in the social media world as well and she fights the fight. She's not afraid to get dirty yes. and to fight for election integrity which for so many Republicans is so important to somebody that actually understands what's going on that's been on the ground that takes this stuff very seriously and that's her. So I agree with you. I sometimes it seems to me and I tweeted this out a little while ago that the RNC really likes fancy dinners and fundraisers and raising money, mm-hmm. but I'm not so sure that they like to win. And THAT'S WHAT'S FRUSTRATING TO ME BECAUSE IT ALMOST SEEMS LIKE WE'RE PLAYING AS IF WE DON'T WANT TO WIN AND I DON'T KNOW WHERE THE HUNGER IS. and I'M HOPING THAT WE CAN FIND IT AND FIND IT VERY SOON.
1: NO, YOU'RE ABSOLUTELY RIGHT. YOU GOT TO GET DOWN into THE TRENCHES IF YOU WANT TO WIN ON THE BATTLEFIELD AND THIS IS AN IDEOLOGICAL BATTLEFIELD IN WHICH WE FIND OURSELVES AND WE ARE UP AGAINST A POLITICAL OPPOSITION THAT SEEKS TO WIN BY ANY MEANS NECESSARY. Uh, YOU LOOK AT WHAT HAPPENED IN MARICOPA COUNTY OUT IN ARIZONA, YOU LOOK AT WHAT HAPPENS IN NEVADA, uh, WE HAVE GOT TO NOT LOWER OURSELVES TO THOSE STANDARDS BUT UNDERSTAND HOW WE WIN WITHIN THE FRAMEWORK THAT THEY HAVE CREATED.
0: YEAH, WE HAVE TO GET INTO THE EARLY VOTING GAME. Uh, THAT'S NOT SOMETHING THAT WE Mm -hmm. ENJOY DOING. WE LIKE TO VOTE ON ELECTION DAY. WE LIKE TO ENCOURAGE REPUBLICANS TO VOTE ON ELECTION DAY. BUT IT'S BEEN A PROBLEM FOR US. THOSE EARLY VOTING RULES ARE NOT GOING AWAY. SO WE NEED TO LEARN HOW TO PLAY THE GAME. AND THIS IS THE LAST THING I'M GOING TO ASK YOU. BECAUSE WE DO KNOW THAT WE HAVE SOME GOOD NEWS ABOUT THE MILITARY VACCINE MANDATE, BUT I KNOW THAT THAT'S SOMETHING THAT'S BEEN A PASSION PROJECT FOR YOU, THAT YOU'VE ACTUALLY SPENT TIME WITH THOSE THAT WERE IMPACTED BY IT. WHAT DO YOU THINK ABOUT THIS MANDATE BEING LIFTED, AND THEN FURTHERMORE, WHAT ABOUT THE COMPENSATION FOR THOSE THAT MAYBE DECIDED THE MILITARY WASN'T FOR THEM BECAUSE OF IT, OR THOSE WHO GOT THE VACCINE BECAUSE THEY WERE FORCED TO AND NOW MAYBE DEEPLY REGRET IT? ARE WE GOING TO HAVE THAT CONVERSATION ANYTIME SOON?
1: Well, that conversation needs to be a part of the National Defense Authorization Act right now. It's not just that we are going to get rid of that vaccine mandate, which was unconstitutional, immoral, unethical, and unlawful. We need to make sure that those who were put out of the military because of this, they get the opportunity to come back with full back pay and compensation. We need to have those that decide they don't want to come back, make sure that the restoration of their benefits is there. And we need to make sure that there's no retribution uh, against any of those individuals. This has been harmful to our military preparedness and readiness in a time when we're not meeting our recruitment goals. So this whole thing, we need to move beyond it, and it has really done a big harm in that this issue of myocarditis has really crept into the military harming very healthy individuals so we need to make sure that we take care of them and this is not just about getting rid of the mandate we got to correct the wrongs that are out there
0: a lot of correction to be done the left wants COVID amnesty and we have to make sure we don't give that to them because there was lives ruined and there's people that are suffer from side effects for the rest of their lives whether they want to admit it at the highest levels or not Colonel, thank you so much for being with me, and I hope next time I talk to you, we see you in a leadership position doing something for our party because we want to see you back in the fight, even more so than you are now. I've always been a huge fan of you, so thank you for taking the time today.
1: Thanks so much, Tommy. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.
0: Yes, you as well. All right, still ahead, after a narrowly winning re-election in Colorado, some pundits think Congresswoman Lauren Boebert will tone herself down, but I wouldn't take that bet. I'll ask her all about it and more. That's next. THOUGH HER DISTRICT RACE FOR THE U.S. HOUSE OF REPRESENTATIVES WILL GO INTO AN AUTOMATIC RECOUNT, COLORADO'S THIRD CONGRESSIONAL DISTRICT WILL MORE THAN LIKELY STILL BE REPRESENTED BY MY NEXT guest. BUT AFTER WINNING BY A NARROW MARGIN, WILL SHE TONE IT DOWN? WILL SHE CAVE AND BEND AND BOW TO THE LEFTIST WIND? WELL, LET'S ASK HER. JOINING ME NOW IS CONGRESSWOMAN LAUREN BOEBERT. Oh, Congresswoman, I want to get to what happened in Georgia. But first, I got to say, in every article that I've read, everybody is speaking for you, saying that, you know, now that you narrowly won, you're really going to tone it down. You're going to make sure that you, you kind of filter yourself a little bit. And I thought to myself, you know, I really don't think so. But I figured I would ask you.
2: Isn't that funny that that's a narrative? Okay, little girl, have you learned your lesson? Um, but, you know, the, the fun thing is um, the the message does change some. We're in the majority, we're in charge now and we have the ability to actually affect change for our country and put pressure on the Senate and on the White House to make sure that the promises that we made on the campaign trail are delivered. We want to follow through on those. And so now we have the gavel. We have the voice. And uh, that does change a lot of things. And there's certainly a lot of responsibility that comes with the majority. And uh, I'm looking forward to um, holding Democrats accountable, especially the ones who campaigned on Republican policies to deceive voters and to win their re-election, but also to demand accountability for my own colleagues in the Republican Party. I'm looking forward To the majority, and it's going to be a really fun uh, two years in in actually accomplishing things for the American people, holding uh, uh, hearings and investigations that actually mean something. This is going to be a very exciting ride, and uh, no one needs to worry too much. I'm not changing who I am. Uh, I didn't come here to be influenced by the swamp and to be directed by threats of the media, Um, but there certainly is uh, an amazing weight that comes with having the gavel having the power of the purse and the power of the pen to direct what is spent out of that purse
0: let's talk about that gavel Uh, are you convinced that kevin mccarthy is the way to go for our speaker i know that i've also read some articles saying that you're not necessarily committed to that there's been a lot of discussions within the gop within the rnc within the mega movement about just what our leadership in every position really needs to look like and if it's time to make a shift what do you think
2: tommy i I haven't committed my vote one way or another to anyone i have met with leader mccarthy multiple times i'm meeting with him again today and we're certainly talking but i want to see him support a motion to vacate and the american public may not be too familiar with that but it's an accountability measure that has been in place since the 1800s until Nancy Pelosi removed it. This was something that gave each individual member of Congress the ability to have an actual check on leadership in the House of Representatives. And our government is all about checks and balances. This was written by Thomas Jefferson, and it's been in place for centuries, uh, and uh, almost two centuries. And that accountability measure Needs to stay in place. So, this is something that I have uh, expressed to Kevin that this is a very hard line to even begin any sort of conversations because what is good? uh, What good is it to negotiate in the absence of? Of of truth and trust and and so that accountability measure certainly needs to be there and um, there's no denying that um, he's the leader of the conference right now and what he says matters and uh, we'll wait um, to to see what actually happens on January 3rd but we all want a unified party we have so much work to do for the American people come January so we need to make sure that we get this right and set ourselves up for success this isn't something. That is just anointed. Um, we need to have real conversations. And for me, it starts with that motion to vacate, that accountability mechanism to make sure that promises that are made for um to us and for the American people uh, have have an ability to um to be held accountable. Um, this is very, very important to me. And um I, I think this shows that we need to change the institutional, uh, the institution here in Washington, D.C. And that means that the way leadership is operated needs to change.
0: But moving forward, talking about that unification, we're in a really, really weird spot as Republicans and as conservatives. Because on the one hand, the economy is in the toilet. People don't like the president. They don't like Democrats. They don't like Democrat policies as they see them operating in their cities, their towns, and their states. YET, right. WE ARE NOT WINNING ELECTIONS, AND WE HAVE GREAT CANDIDATES, WE HAVE A GREAT BENCH. I REALLY DO THINK WE HAVE A LOT OF RISING TALENT WITHIN OUR PARTY. I THINK WE'VE GOT DONALD TRUMP AND RONDA SANTIS THAT ARE THE TWO THAT ARE REALLY THE HEAVYWEIGHTS LOOKING AT 2024. BUT WE'VE ALSO GOT A PARTY THAT IS NOT UNIFIED AND IS NOT WINNING. So I want to talk about how to unify the party, but first I want to talk about moving into 2024 because this election cycle was disappointing for a lot of us. We have to look forward and there's been a lot of discussions about how we need to change our strategies and if we need to change our leadership at the very top of the ticket heading into 2024. Do you think that it's time to move on from Donald Trump?
2: I don't, Tommy. Um, President Trump has done a fantastic job, uh, and uh, I, I want to I want to see him in the White House again. He He's the one in the race right now. He absolutely has my support. He's a friend of mine. I'm not turning my back on him. I know there's a lot of talk about Governor DeSantis. Heck, he's America's governor. As you said, these are the heavyweights at the top of our party right now, and they're both incredible men. Um, but I, I don't think that um, anyone should be going and shifting blame to President Trump um, he had a, a amazing um, victories with his endorsed candidates, and this election cycle was a failure of of the GOP not getting out the vote um, messaging, and and then of course where they're investing their finances um, in primaries and in the general election. Uh, there were many mistakes that were made, and certainly we did not have the outcome that we were hoping for and expecting. But also, I mean, look, Fetterman. Was elected to the Senate. I mean, that right there just says so much um, about what's going on in our country and in our elections. Democrats do a fantastic job at getting out the vote and where it's legal, harvesting ballots. And we have to come to the realization of we cannot play by the rules that we want We have to play by the rules that we currently have. Democrats are doing it and they are winning. So we have to be able to get out the vote. We have to get precincts um, in unison and and, and actually going out and harvesting ballots and and communicating with voters better. We, We can't rely on one person to do all the talking for us. We all have to be a part of this. Now, of course, the Democrats have the media for the most part. And the media runs cover for them. We had Democrats who voted with Nancy Pelosi 100 percent of the time saying they didn't support Nancy Pelosi or Joe Biden. And they wanted a secure border and safer communities and to fund the police and to end fentanyl. Uh, but there was no um, there, there was nothing to actually back that. And with the media running cover for them, they were able to deceive these voters and make them believe that that's what they were fighting for, that they would be the ones to lower inflation when they are the ones who caused it by ending our energy policies that we had here in America, by the reckless spending, adding $10 trillion in new spending in less than two years. Uh, So right now in the GOP, Um, We certainly have to we have to come to the table and try to figure out how we are going to unify. What is our message going to be? And uh, there are many things uh, I I would love to go over them with you that are priorities for us. uh, But we, we have to make sure that we have good, strong leadership and that we are willing to work with one another on these top line items that we campaigned on, that we made promises on and that the American people are expecting
0: you're exactly right people want to see the GOP do something but if we want to win elections we have to get better at our media outreach we have to get better at our grassroots we have to get better at fundraising and actually spending the money that we are fundraising that would be a big part of this as well we are being outspent we are being outworked we are being outmaneuvered at every turn and after losing midterms not I I guess not winning as much as we thought which I consider a loss and then losing this Mm -hmm. runoff last night I mean this is a wake-up call we've got COUPLE YEARS TO PREPARE, WE BETTER BE SPENDING ALL OF THAT TIME PREPARING, BUT I KNOW THAT YOU'RE GOING TO BE FIGHTING THE GOOD FIGHT, I KNOW THAT YOU'RE NOT GOING TO TONE IT DOWN, YOU'RE GOING TO BE SPEAKING WITH THE SAME FIRE THAT YOU'VE ALWAYS HAD, AND WE WOULDN'T WANT ANYTHING ELSE FROM YOU, CONGRESSWOMAN. THANK YOU SO MUCH, AND BEST OF LUCK IN THAT SWAMP. THANKS SO MUCH, TOMMY. ALL RIGHT, STILL AHEAD AS PROMISED, I'M GOING TO GIVE YOU MY FINAL THOUGHTS, MY GOP ELEPHANT-SIZED autopsy, IF YOU WILL. THAT'S NEXT. The GOP corpse is rotting, it's time for an autopsy like yesterday, and it's time for my final thoughts. Conservatives, let's just face facts. We're losing. And no, I don't want to hear the silver lining nonsense about barely winning the House or picking up a couple of Senate and gubernatorial seats here and there. No, that's not winning. Our economy is swirling down the crapper. Inflation, crime, gas prices at historic highs. The people's trust in government, in Congress, in the White House at historic lows. The border is open. Adolescents aren't sure what gender they are, but just to be woke decide to start cutting off body parts in their noble search. Parents labeled domestic terrorists forced to sit back as their children were locked out of in-person learning for years and then forced to mask or mask and vax. The Democrats, liars, cheaters, communists, snakes, and semi-functional at best, we should be trouncing every damn one of them. They have no record to run on, their candidates are horrible, beating them should not be this damn hard. Part of it is the unfairness of the game, and I get that. Republican candidates are expected to be personally, physically, politically, and professionally flawless. Meanwhile, Democrat candidates are expected to just be breathing, barely. I mean, look at Georgia's Senate race, for goodness sakes. The Democrats were able to convince voters that one of the black men running was akin to Martin Luther King Jr., and his opponent, also a black man, was akin to David frickin' Duke. How does that even happen? And why was Herschel Walker's baggage scrutinized while Warnock, who ran over his ex-wife's foot with a car, treated like St. Michael the Archangel? I mean, my God, how do we let this happen? You know our candidates don't suck for the most part. Our messaging and our ground game is the problem. The Democrats have mastered narrative control and voting strategy. They were literally able to get a vegetable elected in Pennsylvania and to the White House. But beyond just securing our elections and getting a stronger grassroots and fundraising ground game, we gotta get control of our media outreach. You know I hate to say it, but we can't just rely on Fox News to do it. We can't just speak in the echo chamber. We gotta get out there and we gotta message to the other side. We gotta show up in inner cities. We gotta show up on college campuses. We gotta show up everywhere we are losing and we gotta show out because our policies work. Our ideas are better. We have the stronger party. We gotta start acting like it and take some chances. You know, we might not be welcome everywhere, but we gotta show up anyway. We might get called a name or two, but we gotta speak up anyway. We are letting the Democrats control the board and then turning around in bewilderment as to why we lose or we barely and narrowly win. Hello, Earth to us. We are ceding our ground because we like our comfort zones more than we like victory. You don't win by acting like a loser, and I am ready to start winning again. How about you? Those are my final thoughts. And I want to send a special message to Ted Cruz and his family. We are thinking about you from Nashville. God bless and take care.